Like the dead-seeming cold rocks, I have memories within that came out of the material that went to make me. Time and place have had their say. So you will have to know something about the time and place where I came from in order that you may interpret the incidents and directions of my life. I was born in a Negro town. I do not mean by that the black backside of an average town. Eatonville, Florida is and was at the time of my birth a pure Negro town. Charter, mayor, council, town marshal and all. It was not the first Negro community in America, but it was the first to be incorporated, the first attempt at organized self-government on the part of Negroes in America. Eatonville is what you might call hitting a straight lick with a crooked stick. The town was not in the original plan. It is a byproduct of something else. It all started with three white men on a ship off the coast of Brazil. They had been officers in the Union Army. When the bitter war had ended in victory for their side, they had set out for South America. Perhaps the post-war distress made their native homes depressing. Perhaps it was just that they were young, and it was hard for them to return to the monotony of everyday being after the excitement of military life and they, as numerous other young men, set out to find new frontiers. But they never landed in Brazil. Talking together on the ship, these three decided to return to the United States and try their fortunes in the unsettled country of South Florida. No doubt the same thing which had moved them to go to Brazil caused them to choose South Florida. This had been dark and bloody country since the mid-1700s. Spanish, French, English, Indian, and American blood had been bountifully shed. The last great struggle was between the resentful Indians and the white planters of Georgia, Alabama, and South Carolina. The strong and powerful Cherokees, aided by the conglomerate Seminoles, raided the plantations and carried off Negro slaves into the Spanish-held Florida. Ostensibly, they were carried off to be slaves to the Indians. But in reality, the Negro men were used to swell the ranks of the Indian fighters against the white plantation owners. During lulls in the long struggle, treaties were signed but invariably broken. The sore point of returning escaped Negroes could not be settled satisfactorily to either side. Who was an Indian and who was a Negro? The whites contended all who had Negro blood. The Indians contended all who spoke their language belonged to the tribe. Since it was an easy matter to teach a slave to speak enough of the language to pass in a short time, the question could never be settled so the wars went on. The names of Oglethorpe, Clinch, and Andrew Jackson are well known on the white side of the struggle. For the Indians, McAnope, Billy Bowlegs, and Osceola. The noble Osceola was only a sub-chief, but he came to be recognized by both sides as the ablest of them all. Had he not been captured by treachery, 
the struggle would have lasted much longer than it did. With an offer of friendship and a new rifle, some say a beautiful sword, he was lured to the fort seven miles outside of St. Augustine and captured. He was confined in somber Fort Marion that still stands in that city, escaped, was recaptured, and died miserably in the prison of a fort in Beaufort, South Carolina. Without his leadership, the Indian cause collapsed. The Cherokees and most of the Seminoles, with their Negro adherents, were moved west. The beaten Indians were moved to what is now Oklahoma. It was far from the then settlements of the whites. And then, too, there seemed to be nothing there that white people wanted. So it was a good place for Indians. The wilds of Florida heard no more clash of battle among men.